evening and welcome to Geek Card, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right to your hosts of Geek Card, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome to Geek Card, where dreams are... I guess they're just still dreams. They're not abandoned. They don't come true here. They just are. Geekard equals dreams. There we go. Synergy between dreams and Geekard. We are one. Think about that. I'm your host, Andrew Young. With me, joining me shortly to say is Mr. Green. He's, uh, he's handling some stuff on his end. And uh, we hope that uh, all goes well in uh, the uh, the porcelain throne. That is where I'm guessing he is. And uh, he'll be joining us shortly. But we got a great show for you tonight, friends. Later on in the program, you're going to get to hear an interview I did back at the end of June with Randall Park. Of course, you know Randall Park. He's in the Ant-Man movies, Fresh Off the Boat. Always be my maybe, um, young rock. But uh, what he's, what you might not know him for is that he's releasing his debut feature film, Shortcomings, and we're going to be playing that at uh, the end of the episode. An interview we did, I did with him on that film that's playing. It's open April fourth today in New York and L.A. and is opening out in further markets um throughout the weeks so keep an eye out for shortcomings you're gonna hear about it later uh, we've also got a review coming your way of teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem uh it's in theaters now we're going to be giving our review and in just a moment we'll be talking with filmmaker chandler levac about her film i like movies which uh, is available in canada on vod and has had an amazing festival run. And uh, we'll be talking about that and more. But now joining me is Mr. Green. He has made back his trek from the porcelain throne. And it seems that all is well. Uh, sure. Um, yeah. We'll see about that. Oh, um, was it? So the, it wasn't a satisfying dump? Uh, n- no. No. I, I just... It's been not a good day. Um, anyways, yeah, so it's all good there. Oh, but on, on the brighter side of life, I wanted yeah. to let you know about some a story that I found out about this week. Okay. Right? Uh, little little mini news review situation here. We're going to go back, dip into the news for a quick second here. Came across a story. And you'll understand why I'm talking about this. There is a theme park opening up in middle America. I think it's uh, Indiana, if I remember correctly. Uh, Santa Claus, Indiana, I think is the name of the town. And if I'm if I'm incorrect on the the state, I apologize. But the town I'm right on because who can forget Santa Claus as a town name? It's great. Right, right. Um, but they're opening a new theme park called okay. Holiday Land. All right. And the idea is is that there's going to be sections that are like holiday specific, like a Christmas section, uh, July Fourth section, Halloween section. And they recently announced they finally have another section that they're opening up because they were trying to figure out the number one holiday in America, which, of course, is Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turkey yeah, Day. That's right. How to do a Thanksgiving theme section. Well, they've come up with some ideas, and one of those includes a roller coaster called the Gravy Train. In which the roller coaster itself is made up of gravy boats that you ride in. And as part of it, you will go through a tunnel made of a cranberry can, uh, you know, of cranberry sauce. And then you'll go around and there's going to be like a giant whisk and like there's all this and there's all these other things. And it's supposed to represent like the holidays when you go home with your, you know, your mom and your family and like all that stuff. And as you're flying around on the coaster, you're getting back some of our gravy heritage. And so, go. so as I, as I said, I knew you'd understand why I wanted to talk about going this. off the rails on the gravy train. Yeah. That's now, it. Finally, a roller coaster 
that was made thinking about Mr. Green. This is it. You know, I'm like coaster after your own heart. So we'll be making a trip to Santa Claus. Well, you'll be making a trip to Santa Claus, Indiana, because Indiana wants me and Lord, I can't go back there. So no, that's also fair. We we've talked about this and we we understand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's why why I have you to talk to. That's, that's what it has come down to. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Chandler Levac about I Like Movies on this historic episode of Geek Card right here. Geek Card, Radio 101. We have walked ourselves in circles only to find Hey everybody, Jimmy the Short Order Cook here, asking you, what's better than listening to Geek Heart? Answer, listen to Geek Heart while wearing a Geek Heart t-shirt. And there's a place you can get them, at tpublic.com slash user slash Geek Heart. We got a bunch of great shirts there. We got Geek Heart shirts, we got a Mr. Green's Tasty Meat shirt, hell, we got a Back Issue Bloodbath shirt. For all your geek needs with your geek merch, you want to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geekart. I'm not just asking you. I'm telling you. Welcome back to Geek Art right here. On Reality Radio 101. And now, right back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card, the stuff that dreams are made of. That's what I was trying to get at earlier. That's what we are. I'm your host, Dan. Sure, the stuffing that dreams are made of, totally, for that well, beautiful so gravy. See, you got to stay on theme then, right? Like, uh, well, that, that's you're the theme that you're imposing onto the show? Yes. <laughs> no, because there actually is another theme that I'll get to later. All so right. We'll talk about it later uh, as the show progresses. Fair but, enough. Uh, but yeah, I'm your host, Andrew Young. With me, as always, is Mr. Green. And uh, let's get into the show. Our first guest of the evening was a Canadian writer and filmmaker, uh, has directed a number of music videos, the short film We Forgot to Break Up, and the feature film I Like Movies, which has been having an amazing festival run and is available on VOD here in Canada. Please welcome to the program Chandler Levac. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, I Like Movies, I saw it at TIFF. The first weekend at a press screening, it was a, it was the press screening right after, um, women talking, women talking. I like movies <laughs> was my favorite double bill of TIFF. It was the Barbenheimer <laughs> of its time. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then when it came to the Carlton, I went and saw it again. I like movies. And I, of course, this past week, I had to watch it again on VOD before I <laughs> talked to you. It is such a good movie because. It's it's about a lame kid. It's about a high a typical high schooler as opposed to this kid who's going to be a genius. He's like, no, no. If you want to be a, a f- great filmmaker someday, you're going to have to actually work at it. And that's kind of the I like the message in that of like, you know, not everybody is this glorified genius where everybody's telling you you're amazing. You've got to actually get over yourself and do something. Yeah, I feel like it was really interesting when it came out of TIFF last year because it was kind of the exact opposite of what the Fableman's uh, yeah. prophecy is. <laughs> it's like, here's someone who's actually like quite mid and um, sort of actually needs to learn that he needs to humble himself and actually maybe find interest in something other than cinema if he wants to have a real future or, you know, that's kind of a lifeline for him that he learns how to be curious about other people's interests and sort of ask questions. Um, that you uh that you related to it yeah no i just well that because again i've i think everybody 
who's been a fan of film but didn't know exactly what they wanted to do with it has been a Lawrence at some point. It's just been sitting there going, <laughs> well, you, you don't understand film the way I do, sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even I have have Lawrence tendencies for sure. Uh, so yeah, I think it's kind of universal, and you know, it's nice. I feel like a lot of teen movies, um, you know, there's always kind of this this prophecy that you're right that there's something special about this person that the world really owes them something, and I, it's kind of fun to write like a teen character who just kind of needs to be massively humble at the end. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, as I was watching it, uh, there, it was it was an equal it was a weird journey for me because it was equal parts uh looking in a mirror because there was the part of my life where you know like i i very much like lawrence was watching you know 10 15 movies a week at, at certain points in my life and uh you know <clears throat> and totally could relate to that but then there was also looking at some of lawrence's uh um less uh good aspects that reminded me of some of my other friends from high school and some, you know, and so it was like, it was this weird journey that I took with, with the character. Cause it was like, as I, as I started watching the film in the beginning, he's not somebody you want to roll up with, you know, yeah. like curl up into, you know, and like, and enjoy it. Like, you know, it's not, it's not a comfort character, but by yeah. the end, by the end of the film, there's this whole journey and uh that that was something to 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 watch and back to what you're saying about uh um high school films as a lover of high school films i have i don't it's a weak spot for me i i love a lot of high school journey films um this was refreshing to see a character <laughs> with some warts you know like and as Andrew alluded to like not not this superstar you know yeah and he's tough <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely a tough hang. My God, but uh... yeah, I just that was uh, that was a little rough at times. Although I have to admit, I didn't get to work at a video store. Oh, uh, I always wanted to work at a video store, and uh, you know, part of me that was the other thing I was was watching this. It was like it was bringing back some of that, you know, like that that jealousy of getting to not be able to hang out in a store with all with all the other people who liked movies or maybe didn't like movies, as we learned. Um, well, yeah, I'm sorry you didn't get to have that experience. Um, <laughs> I worked at Blockbuster in, in Burlington, Ontario, where the story set. Um, so, uh, you know, I did get 10 free rentals a week, which was pretty sick. Um, but yeah, a lot of also kind of what Lawrence experiences, like crying in the back room, having panic attacks, eating pizza subs while watching movies. I mean, some parts of it were great and some parts of it were just kind of you know, I really wanted to reflect sort of like the lameness and the kind of honesty and authenticity of like a high school experience where, yeah, I, I spent it like mostly watching movies in my last year. I got now putting together that that video store, because, of course, video stores are not not around much anymore. You uh, you set up in the the Harwood Plaza in Ajax. You yeah. got the fixtures from an abandoned blockbuster in Owen <laughs> Sound. Yes. <laughs> so what was it like putting together this video store? I mean, it was it was extremely fun. Uh, we all definitely got asbestos poisoning from that abandoned blockbuster. Um, but it was kind of a joy to like create like a fictional video chain that could kind of pay homage to like, you know, all the iconic places from our youth, you know, the jumbo videos and the Rogers videos and the blockbusters. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I the day that we, I got to walk in and the carpet was installed and all the videos were on the shelf and like the signs were up. It was really eerie. Like it felt like just kind of um, going back into kind of this portal. And I think that's what's so fun about filmmaking for me is this chance to kind of create these like sets that evoke so much nostalgia for my youth and sort of really create something almost like traveling back in time. It definitely evokes so much nostalgia that the people walking by thought it was a real video store and tried to rent, <laughs> right? Yes, people actually got angry. Like this one lady was like, no, but I, you have it right here. Like I need to see Triple X. And I was like, you can't rent it. We had to like put a sign on the door that said like, this is a set. It is not a video store. You cannot rent videos here. <laughs> well, I think it would be funny as well that if people would be like, oh, this video store opened up in my neighborhood. They only have films from 2003 and before. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they have 75 copies of Monster's Ball and that's yeah. it. 
that was, I, you know, when I look back on it, that was one of the things about Blockbuster that I always found uh, entertaining was that you'd walk into that, the wall, as I always like the new release wall. Like I, yeah. and I just, I remember just being like, it felt like you were slapped in the face the way it was just like, as you put it, it was like, you know, monster wall, right? Like it's like, <laughs> here, here's, here's tight. I remember when Titanic came out, it was like 75 feet of Titanic. Like it was, yeah. We don't get that anymore. We don't get that experience. That's true. Where a movie kind of just feels like literally like monolithic. And then the kind of passage over time where it goes from like 75 copies to like takes up half a shelf, then one shelf. And then it's just in the old favorite section, like two years from later. Yeah. 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 My God. But the, uh, that's the thing. Like I miss the video store. There's a lot of things about this film that I feel like people can relate to on a nostalgia level. Like the video store and stuff like that, and then also, you know, the, the high school experience. But what really I dug about this film is that a lot of times when we get this story where a main character is actually suffering from main character syndrome, where he <laughs> thinks he's the only person that's, that matters, usually the film kind of mimics that and really only follows their story. Whereas you have some really interesting characters that I sit there and go, Man, I'd like to see that movie as well, like Ramina, the manager with the stuff she's gone through in her life and the story she tells in that, that epic monologue there um, as Alana, I was like, I was like, I'd love to see that movie. And then of course, Matt McCarchick falling in love and making a movie in high school. <laughs> that's another movie I want to see. And I, that's what I love is it, was it important to you to have these characters that even though they don't have a lot of screen time, have like some richness to them right there on the screen. Yeah, that's, I think you put it so well that it's a, it's a character that actually kind of diagnoses the problem of main character syndrome. And, you know, like I've been thinking about that a lot about kind of how movies in a weird way kind of legitimize your own narcissism, like especially as a teenager when you are the most narcissistic, you know, because it kind of teaches you like, oh yeah, there isn't anybody else in the world. I'm the star of my own movie. And of course, everybody is in their own movie. And that's kind of, I think, what he eventually listens. I mean, I think of a movie like, ladybird where you know even if there's these tiny snapshots of kind of like um julie like the her best friend in that film or um the character that lucas hedges character plays who comes out as gay or like timothy chalamet or obviously her relationship with her mom like everyone in the film gets these little private moments to themselves even though it's so clearly like ladybird just kind of swallows up the whole film and i guess that was like an inspiration for me like how to kind of make supporting characters that are just as deep and complex and are kind of not only like fueling his journey, but also you're right, like kind of like uh, have their own interiority and, and lives going on, but he can't see them obviously because he has a lot of issues. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He has a lot of issues and thankfully, you know, it's like he seems to be set on the right path near the end. Uh, I know you've talked a lot before about how this film, while it is got some, autobiographical moments for yourself in it it's also kind of like a dissection of the nature versus nurture of the film bro of the guy who if you meet him later on in life is a very toxic kind of person <laughs> in the film world and is very much forces his opinion of films on you sort of thing <laughs> yeah i've never had that happen to me i don't even no, know never never <laughs> Yeah, I was interested in kind of doing this character study of like, are Phil Burroughs born or are they made? And is there a way to do some like early intervention on them at their like most pivotal prime moment when their like ego is really being crystallized before they become, you know, really toxic guys, you know, in their mid 40s with like way too many Criterion DVDs that are trying to explain like a Bellatar movie to you when you're, you know, trying to leave the Tinder date gracefully. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm checking some boxes here. Uh... <laughs> yeah, what's up? <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I just and I have so much empathy and like uh, for those for those beautiful men, and and I care about them deeply. And I just think that it, it's really fun for me. I think more women to write stories about young men that, you know, hold men accountable for the the sort of what they do in the culture, but also really treat them with a, a lot of empathy. And I feel like we've seen this movie made by Lawrence's like time and time again, but 
we haven't ever really investigated why they are the way they are instead of just kind of legitimizing everything they do. So that was, and like, I think Alana is also really a fundamental part in Lawrence's journey um, in a way where she doesn't just become like a, a sex object or sort of a romantic object and they like, but really like a, really a person of her own merit. Yeah, yeah, no, one of my favorite scenes in 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 the movie um is Alana's confrontation with Lawrence uh after the the night in the store. Yeah. And where she basically calls him on all his shit. And <laughs> I was sitting there and I was like, "Wow, yeah, like to your point, like there there is definitely some people out there that need that in their lives at some point in their, you know, to just get that check and just be like Pump the brakes. You're going a little too far down a certain path. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously it's it's messy and people are complex. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that his life is going to be perfect or he's completely healed no. from, from here on out. And there's so many Paul Thomas Anderson movies that he's going to get to watch uh, as he goes on. <laughs> I, he's going to love um, There Will Be Blood, I think, a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, but you know, I, I guess for me, like it's, I really wanted to just offer like a little space of like hope and growth that, that he can sort of change because I think that's what is satisfying about coming of age movies and, and while, why they're really necessary, but I love writing really, really flawed people that take a super long time to learn the message of the movie, like against their will almost. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the flawed, well, that's again, the, the, the flawed character, the character is probably the reason why your film resonates so well and is just because it's so real because like as you mentioned there's a lot of times where people make a film with a flawed character and by act two they're already on the path to redemption and it's sort of like <laughs> oh you're really gonna wrap this up and the third act you're gonna fix this guy's life okay whereas you know as you, you know as you put it it's a process where it's like you can get somebody on the right path but you don't know if they're gonna actually work out in the end sort of thing yeah it's funny that you have um randall park on as well for shortcomings because i think there's a lot of parallels oh, between that's now that's a double bill right there yeah shortcomings and uh and uh i like movies because yeah because definitely if lawrence doesn't go down the right path he could totally end up like the main <laughs> character in shortcomings totally yeah i mean at least he gets to go to new york at the end well there you go you there are. is that definitely <laughs> oh my god but um yeah, now I want to step a little bit back before I like movies. Of course, there was your short film, We Forgot to Break Up. Such a powerful movie. And that was like your first, even though you directed music videos before that and everything, that was your first experience with actors. And like I, I did the count. I think there's more characters in your short <laughs> than in your feature. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was really terrifying for me because I, of course, in music videos, actors are kind of more like aesthetic objects, you know, and, and I was like totally petrified. I was like, I don't know how to work with actors. I don't know what actors want or need. And then all of a sudden I'm directing these like scenes where there's like sometimes six or seven actors in one, one scene. And, and it was actually like so fun, you know, to kind of uh, understand how they work and collaborate with them. And it was really, uh, really a joy um, I think because I just realized it's like talking about fake people like they're real and like analyzing human behavior and, you know, kind of analyzing a character the same way that you would analyze like some new boyfriend that your roommate is dating or, you know, uh, your, the way you feel about your parents. You know, it's 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 like a really fun process, I think, when actors are open to like really creating a character with you. Yeah, yeah. And I I know that a lot of that went into this film with Isaiah. You guys like... You guys had a long powwow and really, you know, you traded movies. You really uh, got to the root of this character together as a team, right? Yeah, I feel so lucky that it, it got to be him. I mean, if you'd asked me who would play like the high school version of yourself in a movie, I would never say, oh, Isaiah Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really funny when my mom watched his audition tape because I showed the audition tapes to my mom and she was like, don't cast him. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, 
he's too much like you in high school. It's going to freak people out and make them uncomfortable. And I was like, I think he just got the part. <laughs> yeah. Cause isn't that, that's kind of what you would want if it's that authentic and it does freak people out. That's, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we, we, yeah, we did do a lot of preparation. Um, I made him like a list of movies to watch. So he did watch like Francis Ha and Punch Drunk Love and Rushmore, a lot of movies he hadn't seen. And then he also shared stuff that he loved, like a Neon Evangelion Genesis. Oh, yeah. yep. And then we did watch Shrek together and Shrek the Halls, the Christmas sequel. <laughs> <laughs> That's, oh my God. But no Shrek 2, right? Okay. There you yeah, go. yeah. We skipped that one. You know. <laughs> Good call. Good call. Shrek the Halls felt more important to our creative process. Yeah. Yeah, no, I could see that in the film. Definitely. Yeah, you, I, I see, believe you can. Yeah, I could see Shrek the Halls in there. Totally. Yeah, way that yeah. it works. Oh my uh, god! So I, I'm wondering, Chandler, like, because obviously, like, uh, working with, uh, you know, a story that is close to you, right? Like, you know, and and you're you're spinning those elements when you're working on it, uh, both writing and then, you know, obviously uh, behind the camera as as it's being unfolded in front of you with the actors. Was it weird at times to? see the story like parts of like the parts that are your history coming absolutely come to... yeah, yeah i mean it was, it was very surreal i mean it was also kind of in the middle of the third wave of the pandemic so it was already a very yeah. highly charged emotional time you know pre-vaccine so we we're also directing all in like face shields and the mask which is probably good because then i could hide my tears behind the face shield <laughs> um but yeah i mean there were a lot of surreal moments you know my parents were extras in some of the scenes so like the scene where Lawrence is having a panic attack, you know, my dad um, kind of gives a dirty look to the mom who's trying to console Lawrence through the door. And that's my real dad um, in that scene. Um, it's my real dog, my parents' dog in the movie. A lot of the the props um, are things that I actually did have in high school for real. So like the video, the the film um, camera that they're, the mini DV camera that they're making the movies on was like the real mini DV camera that I shot movies on in, in high school. Um, so yeah, a lot of it was just kind of, and I, you know, we did, we did a day of shooting in Burlington too. So like in the real places where I hung out. So yeah, it was, it was just really emotional. Um, but I think that's kind of what I loved about it was sort of like, I think in a time when we we're all kind of doing a lot of reflection and kind of going back to like movies and media and culture that kind of makes us feel felt safe, like actually kind of retracing my steps and kind of thinking about my past it was like a really nice way to go through the pandemic right right and with the pre-production of this film that was was that was done during the pandemic as well right the pre-production yeah every aspect of it yeah. so you so did it help the fact <laughs> that you moved home for the pandemic did it help like kind of get you more in the spirit of the film? It was like living once again oh yeah in the I place where the film was going to be yeah, I mean, it was like a full regression. Like I was living with my dad in Burlington, Ontario, like probably a 10 minute drive from my high school, <laughs> like wearing my old like high school band T-shirt and, you know, waking up at like, you know, noon and <laughs> like wearing pajamas all day and watching Ghost World over and over again. I mean, it was like really like nothing had changed yet. Um, oh and God. in some ways that's great. In some ways it's really weird. <laughs> yeah. I always feel like whenever I'm making something, I have to kind of like live the film as I'm making it. And, okay. and that was clearly the the case on that one. Um, my next film set in, in Montreal, kind of in the, in my land in sort of like the 2011, like hipster music scene. So I guess right. I'll be wearing full American apparel next and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Being drugs at house parties or something. Yeah, yeah that's that's awesome. Now that's that's uh, that's Anglophone with Sapruda Films, right? That's right. Yeah, I'm so excited. Oh, I got any. You know what? You seem like the perfect like director to be working with the Sapruda Films guys. Of course. Oh, thanks. Cause, yeah, because like again, because I get that same kind of energy as I do from like Matt Johnson's films, where it's like, hey, here's a real person. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna show you a real person, and they're gonna have a regular life like they're not going to have some like amazing deus ex machina at the end of their film <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna live the life they're supposed to live which uh I, uh I i so i really look forward to this next film as well oh thank you i mean i really admire matt and johnson and matt miller and i think what they've done for the canadian film industry and also just the work that they do i mean it's so risk-taking and entertaining and and funny but also subversive and powerful and i just think they're hilarious and like 
really, really brilliant filmmakers. So it's exciting to see them kind of almost like dismantle the Canadian industry and, and kind of just like change the concept of what a Canadian film can be, you know? I yeah, yeah, yeah. Blackberry was amazing. Blackberry yeah. was fantastic. And, yeah. but like, I, I like movies is kind of in the same vein. It's not your stereotypical Canadian film. It's actually, it's showing a genuine Canadian experience, but showing that it's like pretty much anybody from around the world who's lived through high school can identify with these experiences. Yeah, I mean, I've shown the film in, in Norway and in Argentina and Taiwan and France and California and Cleveland and uh, all over like for the last year. And I can guarantee I can attest to the fact that there are lame teens all over the world. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's been a lame teen at some point, even the cool ones. When they look back, they think they're lame. But then yeah. the people who used to be lame teens. Look at those people and go, you have no idea what it was like. But all right. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, but like it, it is very genuinely moving to me that, that so many people kind of connected with the song because it's really beyond my wildest imaginations. And I think I just wrote something that was so hyper personal that maybe that's the secret. If you write that's something the key, literally yeah. just so embarrassing and cringe about yourself. People are like, OK, we get this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, always, uh, always write what you want to see. It seems to be uh, always a winning combination. But Chandler, I have to ask you this question. I Absolutely. have to. It's a very serious question. What is your favorite movie? <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you. I, 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 it is almost famous by Cameron Crowe. Yes, Cameron Crowe. Nice, nice choice. Thank you. Very good choice. Yeah, I like he, that film a lot. Yeah. 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 Uh, was it? Uh... What's yours? You go first, Andrew. Me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because Almost Famous is on my list. Wow. But, yeah, but I'd probably say number one for nostalgic reasons is Chasing Amy. Wow. Deep cut. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, mine is uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, beautiful. That's a, such a great movie. Yeah. Number two is Star Wars, but <laughs> number one is is It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Which I, Star I just... Wars, like all the, the whole franchise or the second one? That's uh, no, I, yeah, I will. I flip flop between uh, A New Hope and, and Empire, but uh, you know, I, I tend to stick with Empire. But I've been coming back around on A New Hope, uh, realizing because without it, obviously, you can't have a franchise. So, but uh, yeah, no, not ever since I was about uh, fourteen, which is when I uh, rediscovered It's a Wonderful Life and watched it mm -hmm. from beginning to end for the first time. That's when it became. I was like, oh, okay, I've been hooked, and I watch it. Andrew knows I watched the, oh, yeah. that the, that movie so many times every single year. It's he got ridiculous. the he they came out with like replicas of the town from the Franklin oh, Mint, <laughs> and he got really? all of them. And then they canceled the series, but he got everything that they brought out. So they, oh, Bedford <laughs> Falls, Bedford yeah. Falls in Franklin Mint, kind of small Christmas like town. Christmas uh, Village. Yeah, I got That's I got so those. Cool. Yeah, I've so got, I've got your impression must be really bang on at this point. No, it is. It is. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't attest to that. Uh, I do. I do love Jimmy Stewart. Uh, he <laughs> is uh, probably one of my favorite actors of all time. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I've, yeah, I just, I fell in love with that movie for multiple reasons. It, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of your film because there's uh, uh, so many things going on that are real for people. You know, it's not this hyper, you know, hyper real world that we see like in a Star Wars or whatever. Like these are real people dealing with real live uh, uh, situations and emotions. And, that's... and every time a bell rings, someone returns a rental. So there we go. <laughs> someone jerks off to Spartacus. Yeah, there you go. Someone jerks off to Spartacus. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So every time someone jerks off to Spartacus, an angel gets his wings. There you go. Oh my god. That is the message of the movie. That is the message um, of yeah. the movie. But, I, I uh, love it's a wonderful life. I mean it's I mean it's I, I almost feel like it's yeah, it's it's unfair to just watch it when it's Christmas because you're kind of missing out on like the pure joy of that movie and um it's so comforting to me. It's almost like I feel like when I it's like when I go to church during the holidays, which I only do like once a year, because it's just like you do feel like cleansed and you kind of believe in like the human uh right? afterwards. Like it's it is really powerful. I also feel that way about the the apartment. That's like a Christmas. Oh, movie. the apartment's great. Yeah, totally. Definitely a film that hit on some mature themes back in a time when people weren't touching that stuff. Yeah. So ahead of its time. Yeah. 
Definitely. One one question about Almost Famous, though. What do you think of the director's cut of the Untitled? Oh, it's a great question. Um, I mean, no disrespect to Cameron Crowe, but I actually think the the studio cuts better. It's yeah, just I kind of think that too. Less shaggy, and it kind of um gets to the point. I mean, there's some really beautiful scenes that are left on the cutting room floor. There's this really powerful scene where I think it's like penny lane's birthday and they're on tour and every yeah, all the, the cake, yeah. water are like singing to her but you know she kind of has the sense that like russell's not really in love with her anymore he's with his new his wife and it kind of helps fill in a little bit of that kind of humble pie uh buying her for a case of heineken turn in her character it's like an amazing acting scene by kate hudson in that scene but um, and I, I really think that scene's beautiful, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like, or maybe it's just because of the way, you know, it's, it's funny that you said that chasing Amy or, or, and also is one for like things you watched when you were teenagers. Like, I feel like the culture that really you imprint on as a teenager kind of just becomes the things that really like form your personality or sensibility about the world or your values of what you think the world's going to be. So yeah, that movie just really made like such an indelible impression on me that, I mean, I always like, but then again, it's like, who could say that they don't want more of their favorite movie, you know? Yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah. Cause it's like, you know, Cameron Crowe kind of based almost famous on parts of his life and stuff like that. And he was, uh, he was a, a rock critic and then got into films and you film critic who got into films <laughs> as well so it's like it is yeah. kind of to me like it's like oh you're you're a cameron crow for this generation so you <laughs> oh gotta my. start pumping out the films you gotta wow. start making, when is your jerry Maguire coming out that's <laughs> <what's> like, <laughs> oh my god i would love to have a jerry Maguire. i love that movie so, so i guess anglophone would be your singles that's what you got you know anglophone is literally my singles because it literally is a portrait of like a a faddish music scene <laughs> and, and people like who can't date and yeah, and I guess maybe maybe I like movies with my say anything in that it's kind of about an obsessive weirdo uh, outsider nerd that uh, really loves a woman that um, he can't be with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. We see that. Yeah, uh, yeah you. But I actually you're channeling was your a music critic when I was in my early twenties, um, literally because of Almost Famous. So. I, you know, I, I interned at Spin Magazine when I was like 20 and I wrote for a lot of music publications in my early 20s and sort of 18, 19. So that's kind of what Anglophone's about, sort of my rock writer days. So it it truly is like an almost famous um, singles hybrid, but with more vaping weed and American apparel. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm sold on the film. I look forward to that. Yeah. My God. Uh, just before you go, just want to... Uh, Bring up a tweet you put out on July 6th. Oh, God. It's so <laughs> hot. As I, long I'm... as it's not January 6th. No, it's not January 6th. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you'd be on the right side of that anyways. You wouldn't be like supporting them. You'd be like, yeah. what's going on? Stop it. But anyways, no, it's it's so hot. I am literally hanging out at a butcher shop because I couldn't think of another place that would have AC. How good was that butcher shop AC? Was it uh, was it a nice butcher shop? <laughs> you know, I really feel like when people quote my tweets back to me, I'm always so embarrassed because they're truly written from the perspective of an insane person. <laughs> 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 and I, yeah, it is always like people are like, oh yeah, they like tweet the, tell me what I tweeted. And I'm like, oh God, I like truly tweet like no one is ever going to read it. Um <laughs> But yeah, the butcher shop was excellent. I was very grateful for its coldness. I might have held like a piece of pork to my face. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good plan. If my AC breaks down, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit. Yeah, but the... where I should have gone is obviously the movies, you know. True, true. But like, come on, the butcher shop. It was a much more interesting tweet because it of was that. close by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Chandler, I want to thank you for coming on the show again. I like movies. Everybody out there, give it a watch. It's available in Canada on VOD. Um, it's going to be coming out other places. It's still, is it still playing festivals as well? Um, yeah, it's still playing a couple of festivals. Um, I think we're hopefully nearing our, our run. Um, it'll be on Netflix um, Canada in September as well, which is really exciting. 
Um, and then uh, hopefully I'll have more news, exciting news for you um, soon as to where maybe some other countries. Yeah. Be- yeah. Hopefully, hopefully nice. our stateside listeners will be able to get to see this film too at some yeah. point because re- I think they're going to enjoy it. Well, Chandler, thank you so much for coming on and uh, have yourself a great night. Yeah. It's truly a joy to talk to you both and uh, may the force be with you. There as you with go. you as well. Thank you very much, Chandler. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Bye. Yeah. All right. So that was Chandler Levac. Of course, as I said, I Like Movies is available right now uh, on VOD in Canada and will be coming to Netflix Canada in September. And for you U.S. listeners, just you wait. It'll pop up eventually soon. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're coming back with your emails and with our review of T.S. Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Right here, Geekock, Battery Radio 101. Remember when you used to go to the comic shop and browse through the stacks, picking up comic after comic, talking to your fellow customers and the store owner about what books you should buy? What kind of outside people daywalker nonsense are you talking about? I don't go outside. Well, thank goodness for Back Issue Bloodbath with Andrew Young and Petula Neal. When we talk about comics old and new. Mostly old. But sometimes new. Every Wednesday, new episodes drop at geekartshow.com or wherever you catch your pots. Check it out and have yourself a good. Welcome back to Geek Card right here on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card, Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. Uh, we got your emails in. We're going to read some of your emails and then we're going to get into our review of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which is in theaters now. Uh, First, starting off here with George N., who writes in, Hey, all. Andrew Young is so funny with his song lyric parodies. It's not necessarily a parody to quote a line and change a word. That's not a, that's not a song lyric parody. That's like, that's a play on words, sir. If you don't like my play on words, that's fine, but get it right. And then here's a nice picture of... Uh, He's very Green. sensitive, George. A, a pic of Mr. Green. Oh, with the mashed. Going down the, the, the mashed potatoes on the gravy uh, canoe right here. What? Which one? Sorry. George N. Oh, George's. Sorry. I, I, I skipped forward to, into other emails. Oh, nice. Yep. That is my dream. I have actually had this literal dream. There you go. A mountain of mashed potatoes, a river of gravy. Oh, oh, one can just wish. There you go. We got uh, an email from Wayne C who says, hello again, geeks. Mutant sucked. Terrible, boring. I'd rather. And then there's a picture of a man putting Tabasco sauce in his eyes. Well, uh, Wayne, as someone who has had some uh, eye difficulties this year and for the last couple of years, um, I don't think you would. I can honestly say I don't think you would. Yeah, there you go. So truth right there. Truth. Fair uh, about gotta... not liking the film, though, but. To... Yeah. Oof. Protect those eyes, kids. Yes. Go, go, go see doctors. Do the things. That's right. Do whatever you need to do to keep that uh, stuff working. Yeah, we got an email from Mike D. Not the Mike D. The, uh, a Mike D. That would be kind of oh. cool if Mike D. Uh, emailed us or ad rock ad rock would be cool if he emailed as well unfortunately mca cannot because he is unless there is unless they have wi-fi up there who knows i would hope i would assume they would you know well we got an email from mike d that says hello mr green and andrew young oh for mutant mayhem well zero i would assume yeah but he he, they used the o they didn't use the zero so i'm saying oh I get that you mean zero, but it's just fun to go, oh. New rating. Oh. Yes. And then 
a little message for for green here at the new music park they have gravy showers and then there's a picture of a man just doused in gravy there you guys have been putting in the visual aids tonight that i'm like wow i didn't realize any of these were online so yeah no that uh also is something that i have uh, dreamt about okay now howard n he seems to be a little bit disappointed in us oh okay yeah the uh the email is titled really really this review that geek this is the review that geek card does tonight something for 11 year olds the only good thing about this is jackie chan i would rather hear about the old man's day no rating are somebody talking about me yeah yeah you got brought up so they're saying somebody would rather hear about your day Oh well, I had a great day today. Oh, okay, we don't we don't have time for no, all of no, that. No, no, it was good. I went down to I went down to the park, and I met a woman there, and uh, she uh, she she offered something for money, and I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't realize that service was available in this park. It was nice. Oh, okay. It was it was carpet cleaning, and uh, it's yeah, you're right. That is weird for a park. That is. Strange thing to have happen at a park. Yeah, and then I had uh, I had a nice can of beans. Okay, okay, yep. It's good, good. Yeah, uh, you know that's watched... all nice stories. That's great. It's uh, well, you, you, had, guy, you, know, you, asked, had, you had a good day. You this had a good guy day. heard about this guy asked about my day. I'm telling. No, I we all understand that, but sometimes, as I have, I know personally, sometimes the, the stories of your days can go on for months. So well, you know we don't have say. that much time. They you say know, a day is like a thousand years with the old man. Or the thousand well, years like yes, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, brevity is the soul of uh, the wit of soul of wit or what I can't. I screwed that up. I don't See, even know the reason why you screw that up is you don't listen to about to my day. Oh, learn things yeah, from that's, my day. that's the reason. OK, that's the reason. <laughs> OK, well, you sit tight, old man. I'm going to get you to do something in a moment. Oh, OK, all right. We're going to review Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. As uh, Howard said, <laughs> a film for 11-year-olds, apparently, uh, directed by Jeff Rowe and Kyle Kyler Spears, written by Rowe, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, Dan Hernandez, and Benji Samip, based on the comic series by Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman, produced by Nickelodeon Animation Studios and Point Grey Pictures, and distributed by Paramount Pictures. So now the old man will read the synopsis. But everybody knows who the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are, don't they? Well, just read the synopsis. Okay. The film follows the Turtle Brothers as they work to earn the love of New York City while facing down an army of mutants. Okay. I thought that was self-explanatory from the title. There's yeah, no. Mayhem, you know. Yeah. They're the Turtles, you know. Donatello's it, good with machines, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it, you're, 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 you're fair, right? That it is pretty self-explanatory. Raph yeah. is cool but rude. But not in this room. He's not that rude in this room. No, he's still growing into himself. There you go. He's growing into rudeness. That's that's not how it should be done. God, that sounds like he sounds like that Lawrence Queller kid. And uh, yeah, he's he's regressing. The, I like movies. Yeah. Okay. All right. He needs well, to talk I'm, to you a bit more. That's all. He does, you know, because then you'll know how to say words properly. But don't worry. I I think you'll do it someday. I have faith in you. Sure. Thanks. There you, there you go. There he goes. Okay, so let's get into it. Mutant Mayhem. Let's make this quick. Your thoughts? Um, well, contrary to uh, our listeners who have already written in, I really enjoy this film. It uh, There definitely is more of a comics influence in this film than in previous versions, uh, filmed versions, whether animated or live action. Um I actually like the fact that the turtles are portrayed by actual teenagers. Yeah. That well, this is a... the first time where they kind of actually focus on the fact that they're teenagers. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was also interesting because it's kind of like a year one story, you know, it's uh, them at the, you know, at the, the proto stage of their growth and development. They're not heroes yet. They're just still hiding in sewers and doing like, you know, being like teenagers. They just want to go out and do things. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it's interesting only like for the, anybody who's known anything about the turtles over time, right. It's kind of like, it was a weird, it felt weird because it didn't deal with the foot clan right off the top, 
which always seems like the first natural step. Mm-hmm. I I thought that was kind of an interesting way of doing things. Uh, I actually kind of like that because the I think the foot and shredder are kind of like Lex Luthor, you know, or Doctor Doom, or kind of been done to death, yeah, yeah, done to death, but also can be you know it's kind of like when you put uh, you know hot sauce on something, it can overpower what you're what you're eating, you know, and I think that's and it, and it just it overstays its welcome. Okay. You know, that's you know, fair. like, you know, that's, I'm just, you know, cause like, no, I, think... I, I think that a lot of the changes they made in this story were interesting because it's like, well, the, all those other stories exist. So if you want those other stories, you can get them. Yeah. And this, you know, they wanted to tell a more teenage story because, mm-hmm. well, that's who these characters were created for. They were created for kids and teenagers to enjoy. The only two things that I felt that where they made, they had leeway on that they changed things were kind of like, I don't know if that was the best choice. Like the choices they made with Splinter and the origin of their martial arts background was kind of weak. Yeah, I know that was a change that I was also like, it really stuck out to me like hot sauce in the eye. It was, uh, I thought that was kind of, I think took away from the, uh, the origins, you know, like the original story. I thought that was an aspect of the original story that I really enjoyed. Mm hmm. You know? The other the other changes that they made were fun. It's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. we're doing something different with this film. Let's let's try it out. And I agree with you, having kids be the voice, having like kids in the, you know, yeah. 14, 15 years old doing the voices for these characters really brought that element of like, yeah, let's focus on the teenage element. And there's a lot of fun jokes in here. There's just as many jokes that don't land, but that's can you name a comedy that doesn't have that these days? We all like honestly, like let's let's be fair, right? Like you can't just sit down and watch, you know, comedies and laugh the entire time. Like it's yeah. just I've even even like classic comedies. I'm not laughing the whole the whole movie oh, or yeah. show. Well, com- comedy subjective. So yeah, yeah, every you know everybody's got it. and even the screening that we went to, there were people laughing at jokes that you and I weren't laughing at, and we were laughing at jokes that some other people weren't laughing at as well. Like it's just. Uh, different audiences right and uh but i yeah i totally like i love i love the kids i thought they actually did a really good job with uh telling their kind of you know uh the story that they're trying to tell mm. you know and not feel whiny yeah, which is yeah. sometimes uh you know a problem when you're using younger actors because the you know it's it's like well i already made reference to a new hope right like one of the worst cringe lines is that you know is i want to go to Tazi station pick up power converters <laughs> you know right like we we don't get that here but you know yeah right. i think i think the i think the story with them was kind of cool you know like that was fun i thought i thought the animation was yeah well it was cool the animation is cool because it, it felt like it was a mix of claymation and hand-drawn comic yeah. book it was like all the backgrounds looked like they were hand-drawn comic books and they themselves kind of looked like kind of a mix between sketch and claymation yeah I, Honestly, the first time I saw the trailer for this, I thought it was claymation at first. And then I had to look at it again because I was like, wait a minute, that that doesn't look like what, what am I watching? And then I had to like, you know, scene by scene kind of thing in the trailer. And I was like, oh, OK, well, this is really cool. It kind of reminds me of uh, Into the Spider-Verse because trying something that we're not typically used to in a North American audience. So it was I, I really enjoyed that as well. No, totally. Yeah, I think uh, they did a, a really good job with it. And, uh, you know, I like I like the fact that they they really brought home that it's ooze because it really rolls off the tongue. Yeah, ooze. Ooze. Yeah, what it comes down to is that the turtles are really likable in this. I feel like they're the most likable they've ever been. Usually they're either kind of like, oh, I'm watching them, but I don't really have a connection with them. Or, ooh, I really wouldn't want to hang out with these guys. But with this, I feel like, oh, these kids seem seem pretty cool. Yeah, this is probably next to the original animated show and the original movie. The closest that I've come to like really enjoying the character because the the well the new interpretation of Raphael uh, over the last decade uh, hasn't really like like I know he's been a jerk, but I'd say I just I I, I find the abrasiveness in the versions they yeah, put out kind of made him very aggro in the uh, the bay the bay films, yeah. Yeah, and it, like, and here he's doing like he is starting to do the um, uh, the bulk up thing, 
right? Which I, mm-hmm. I thought was a nice and like a nice nod to to the future kind of stuff. But I was like, yeah, okay, that's that's fun. But he's still like he's still like personable, which was great. Totally, uh, yeah, definitely. So you saying people should check it out in theaters or wait till rental streaming or skip it all together? Uh, no, I would. Uh, okay, for me personally, I would say check it out in the theaters. It's a great. I think it's a great family film. Uh, it's good if you got uh, young kids and you want to take them to something. I think this is a good opportunity. Um, but if you, you know, like so, as some of our listeners, you know, you either can skip it or wait. And if you're if you're not into that, you know, but uh, I had a lot of fun with it, and I think people will enjoy it. Yeah, I think it's fun for the kids, and I think if you're a fan of the turtles more of their comedic elements i think you get a kick out of this film definitely uh we're going to take a quick commercial break when we come back you're going to get to hear my interview with randall park about his new film his directorial feature film debut shortcomings right here geek card radio 101 Want to advertise on Geekard and be heard by thousands of listeners? It's easy. It's simple. It's fun. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com for information on our advertising packages today. Welcome back to Geekard right here. On Reality Radio 101. And now, back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card, Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. Uh, back at the end of June, I got a chance to have a few minutes with Randall Park. He of the Ant-Man, the fresh off the boat, the always be my maybe, the young rock. You've seen him everywhere. Uh, his directorial feature film debut comes out today in New York and LA with plans for a rollout across North America coming. Uh, it's the film Shortcomings. It's based on the graphic novel from 2007. It follows a trio of young Bay Area urbanites, Ben, Miko, and Alice, as they navigate a range of interpersonal relationships while traversing the country in search of the ideal connection. Which you didn't have on your phone there. For a I second. did not have my phone on there for a second. So, uh, yeah, so this was, a, this was a, a quick five minutes I got with Randall, and we had a good chat. Let's take a listen. Hey, Andrew. Hey, how's it going, Randall? Good. How are you? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. good so, man. of course, Shortcomings. It's coming out August 4th based on the graphic novel from 2007. And this is such a faithful adaptation of the graphic novel and the realness of the characters are there. They're very real. They're flawed characters. And I'd say probably the main character, Ben is the most flawed of all in some ways, at least Uh, transferring a part like that to the screen can easily go badly. You know, like Ben can come (laughs) off as like a really big dick, But but thankfully you got Justin in there, Justin Ben, who of course, brings you know a nuance to it that makes it a very compelling performance when it comes to you and justin working together i know that you've mentioned before that your chemistry was very quick uh what was it like putting the character together with justin uh well you know the main challenge is exactly what you what you're saying you know here here's a character that uh was clearly flawed is clearly uh opinionated and uh uh angry one one could say there's so much about the character to dislike and, and that, you know, at reading the graphic novel, that's kind of exciting. It's fun because, you know, it's a graphic novel. And I think by nature, there's a little bit of a distance there, you know, from, from you're, you're almost watching it from afar a little more, you know, but on a big screen with those, you know, intense close-ups, you are literally in the face of these characters and to be, uh, to have to spend an hour and a half with uh with uh, essentially a jerk is uh is it's not the best time you know uh it's not the best time spent so it was really important that we uh make sure that this character ben was relatable was it was human was vulnerable um but also charming 
uh, and funny, which he is, and 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 also a great friend to to Alice and a loyal friend, and uh, and um, and also dealing with his own you know personal kind of issues and and sadness and and things that have gone on in his life that maybe were unfair, and and with with Justin Min it was all there in his performance, you know, it was all there in his audition. Like you could really feel, you could really feel the layers of this character that, that made him so much more than whatever he was spouting off about at the moment, you know, and, uh, uh, and he just really understood the material uh, so well and the way in which I envisioned the material he, he was really on board with, and he brought so much of his own thoughts and, 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 and skills to the to the character and and uh and yeah and we really had this you know we were so in sync with each other i i you know there there were times when i would have a direction for him and i would be walking towards him and i just see him nod his head and i just turn right back around without even saying it because we just kind of almost were able to communicate just by like looking at each other you know it was uh uh it was really uh uh something I had never experienced before, you know, uh, but a really special connection. And, and, and I just, I just love that guy. Yeah. Well, I think it's safe to say that if we aren't all at times a Ben in our life, we all yeah. know a Ben in our life. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sure. so, yeah, the performance in that was great. But uh, as I mentioned, the book came out in 2007. You've wanted to tell the story since 2007 and it's been a long, arduous journey. You had to, you know, fight to get to be your first time feature director. You had to fight to get this position. Are you now it's coming out on August 4th. Are you now feeling like relief and enjoyment that people are finally going to see the story? Or is there kind of regret that it's like this journey that you've had with this property, you know, this dream project is coming to an end, so to speak? Uh, you know, I'm feeling relief, but I, I also... I, I was feeling the relief the moment we locked picture, you know, I was feeling like, oh, my God, it's so hard to make a movie, you know, and, and to finish a movie, let alone write a script or cast, find a cast or find a location or, you know, a great DP, you know, like it's, it's just the whole process is so hard. The fact that we were able to complete it really i really did have this perspective that this is if if it ends here we did it you know and then when we found out we got into sundance that was like oh my god okay this is now this is all just extra you know sundance is great so every step of the way whether it be locking picture to sundance to tribeca and then to coming out in theaters in august 4th that all all of it has just been uh just been extra to me you know because again we we made a movie and to me that's crazy yeah, well, that's well, it's a great movie. So that's like, it's even crazier sometimes with the amount of movies that get made to make yeah. a great movie on top of that is great. Uh, man, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for talking with me, Randall. Uh, I really look forward to people getting to see this film. I think they uh, really love it. And uh, I know you're not ready to jump into the next feature right away, but I hope at some point you find another project that you want to direct. I will. I'll, I'll definitely do it again. I, I, so, so uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what I could find or what I could write up and, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get to talk again. All right, man. Next. I look forward to it. Have yourself a great day. So that was my interview with Randall Park. As I said, shortcomings is now playing in New York and Los Angeles with plans to roll out across North America in the coming weeks. So just, uh, Keep an ear to the ground, and it might come to a, a theater near you sometime soon. We've come to the end of the show. Mr. Green, where can the good people find us? Well, as always, if you like what we hear, you like what you hear here. Oh, my God. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. See, you should listen to me more, and I, then you'll be able right. to say that stuff. You're right. You're right. Uh, additional content is always available through patreon.com slash geekard. You can check us out over there. Uh for everybody who participates in that right now, we thank you guys ever so much. You guys are a big help to just running the show on a monthly basis, and we appreciate that. For those of you who don't right now, that's cool. We get it. We understand. But it would be super cool if you joined us. Yeah, that would it would help out a lot. Yes. A lot. Uh, bills are expensive. But 
Uh, you can also find additional content on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Yes, even Pinterest. Search Geek Art Show on any of those platforms. You'll find us there. Of course, check out our website, geekartshow.com, for more news, reviews, and the podcast version of this very show. Available on Mondays after 2 p.m., but if you're super forgetful like I am, or you didn't listen live like you did tonight, the best way to hear us is to do what, Andrew? Is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice, be it the iTunes, the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you catch your pods, and please leave a five-star rating and review because it helps with the analytics. Absolutely, and if you just want to continue the chat with us, you can always email us, geekhardshow at gmail.com. I want to thank... Randall Park and Chandler Levac for coming on the program for Chandler Levac for I Like Movies for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem for all of the great listeners who emailed in for Randall Park for shortcomings for Mr. Green and for Yuri and the Buddhist Sad Young saying if you're going to geek out you might as well geek hard on Rally Radio 101 Thank you for listening to Geek Hard right here on Reality Radio 101